If ever you go to Dublin town in a hundred years or so, inquire for me in Baggett Street and what I was like to know. He was a queer one, full of little Ido. He was a queer one, and I'll tell you. My, My great grandmother knew him, well. knew him well. He asked her to come and call on him in his flat. And she giggled at the thought of a young girl's lovely fall. Oh, he was dangerous, falled all that I do. He was dangerous, I tell you. On Pembroke Road, look out for my ghost, dishevelled with shoes untied, playing through the railings with little children, whose children have long since died. Oh, he was a nice man, Valdal that I know. He was a nice man, I tell you. Go into a pub and listen well if my voice still echoes there. Ask the men what their grandsires thought, and tell them to answer fair. Oh, he was eccentric, Faldal that I know. He was eccentric, I tell you. He had the knack of making men feel as small as they really were, which meant as great as God had made them, but as males they disliked his air. Oh, he was a proud man, Faldal that I know. He was a proud one, I tell you. If ever you go to Dublin town in a hundred years or so, sniff for my personality. Is it vanity's vapour now? Oh, he was a vain one, Faldal that I know. He was a vain one, I tell you. I saw his name with a hundred others in a book in the library. It said he had never fully achieved his potentiality. Ah, oh, he was slothful, Faldal that I do. He was slothful, I tell you. He knew that posterity has no use for anything but the soul, the lines that speak the passionate heart, the spirit that leaves alone. Oh, he was a lone one. Faldal that I know. Yet he lived happily, I tell you. Hello and welcome to If Ever You Go, a Northside Dublin Perspective. My name is Pat Lynch and I hope you will join me as we journey through the Dublin One City One book selection for 2014 entitled If Ever You Go, a map of Dublin in poetry and song. Coming up in this programme, we talk to director of Dublin One City One book, Jane Alger, and Director of Poetry Ireland, Maureen Kennelly. And now we talk to Daedalus Press book editor, Pat Boren. We start by asking Pat how the book came about. Yeah, well, we had an idea myself and Jared uh, Smith, my my uh, co-offender uh, in this. We had an idea of, of trying to do some kind of an anthology about, or poems out of Dublin, mm. uh, verse out of Dublin, let's say. Um, and I, I had had this idea for quite a long time, being in the publishing racket. Um, uh, because I suppose poems, the longevity of poems depends on them entering into those kind of more, more general books yeah. that that uh, uh, you know a casual reader might have on his or her shelf, let's say, or might turn up in a library, etc. And then one day I just it, it just it clicked. 
that the way to do it was not the standard anthology where it's about the authors mm. and X was born here and Y was born there or organised uh, in alphabetical order or chronological order, all of which are, are, are all of which suggest that this is the definitive anthology. Mm. Um, wouldn't it be much more interesting if you, if you looked at a place and see, try, try to see if there's, if there's work about that place so that the, the, the poems that would be about a hospital are nat- naturally going to have something to do with life and death. Mm-hmm. The poems that are about a cinema or a dance hall are going to have to do with the other interesting diversions that we throw ourselves sure. at. So that the subjects, all the wide range of subjects that people are interested in and, and, and that poetry responds to would find their way in. But you'd have a kind of a you know, almost a kind of a tribal interest in it as well. Is my area in it? Why isn't it in it? Did you miss this street? And we missed loads of streets, etc., etc. But but you have you have a kind of an investment in it. It's for everybody in that sense, yeah. and that it allows very different kinds of poems and songs um, to be put in side by side with each other. So you, you know, you cross the gender divide, the class divide, the historical divide, all of these things, or at least potentially you do. Yeah. Um, and that that was why we went for this idea. Yeah. Um, we could have, we could have included far more historical material, but the truth is, most of that is available in other kinds of anthologies. You know, the Oxford Book of or the Faber Book of, and we didn't really want to do that. We wanted to make something that. Un- unashamedly said that this is something that's still going on now that there's there's a kind of a richness of it in the city at the minute yeah. and if we'd had longer and if we ever got a second go at it we might include more more lyrics uh, more song lyrics because they proved to be one of the things that people really responded to mm-hmm. seeing them in the context of the more kind of um stereotypical poem if you like yes yeah and it does I mean the title it couldn't be a better title because it is what it says on the cover as it says I mean the whole idea of a map you know you, you, you could you could imagine American tourists or something saying I want to get a sense of delivery Dublin you know and picking yeah. this up and saying right you know and well the, yeah, that's it yeah. that's it exactly one of the things that we've been interested in is the fact that there are a number of American universities that every year bring bring um, uh, mature students over to Ireland to study everything from Irish language to archaeology etc and they're very interested in this book because it is a kind of a a handbook um, but it also it also prompts then the idea you know there, there have been for instance just because we mentioned because I mentioned America there have been generations of American or Irish American poets coming back here there's a whole other anthology possibly to be made there yeah. about people coming back to a country they expected to find Ireland oh hin oh hin and they found a modern troubled uh, divided yes, yeah. contemporary state so there, there's a whole lot of other things that this that, that a book like this could do and you know as, as I said just a minute ago that's one of the things I liked about the idea of exploring it geographically mm. that it's not finished the city is still evolving it's still changing uh, areas that are new now and are uh, are troubled for want of a better word are going to be the middle class areas of yeah. 20 or 30 years time yeah. uh, uh, and and that sense of change is constantly ongoing whether it's immigrants uh, arriving in an area and the, the dominant language in the local shops changing or or the the fact that the country people like myself are still trying to come up and talk sense into the natives <laughs> you know <laughs> then the tie in then I suppose with the Dublin one city one book that, that must be yeah. that must be in a great impetus to hold. Well, the, the yeah. truth is, you know, the truth is, a book like this at four hundred pages and lots of lots of the work. Because I said it, it, we wanted we wanted recent work as well. We wanted a lot of contemporary work, not not the suggestion that this is all this was all done four hundred years ago yeah. and it's all sweet and there's a lot of butterflies to be 
to be uh, involved. Um, because of that, uh, poets and publishers, like like uh, songwriters and record companies, have to be paid. Now, even though it's only a, a token, it's only an honorarium, a book like this is very expensive to produce. Not the printing or the design or anything like that. As any of us know, uh, you can you can do an awful lot these days on a laptop. But people have to be paid. So it was a very expensive book to produce. And if it hadn't been for the um, One City, One Book endorsement, you know, this yeah. annual celebration of a single title in the city, there's no way we could have done it because a book like this would have to sell umpteen thousand copies to be able to cover its costs. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why books like this don't get produced in Ireland. You know, the big um, the big kind of summary anthologies on, on of Irish poetry or poetry from wherever or, 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 or other subjects writing about, God forbid, golf or whatever, mm. they tend to come from the big multinational London, New York based publishers yeah. because they can afford to do it. Yeah. Um, so it was absolutely crucial. The project wouldn't have happened without that. It also meant that b- being um, almost 10 years in, the, in existence, the One City, One Book had earned the, the kind of confidence of a lot of Dublin readers, of readers groups, of writers groups, of, of adult education groups, of groups inside of prisons, etc. People who had an interest in, in literature but maybe didn't feel 100% comfortable to always to go and choose their own work. So, yes. so the fact that, th- that this was the book being talked about in Dublin really helped. So there's no doubt that it got this book into the hands of people who might normally and might reasonably have said poetry I'm out of here. As I say, the book now, it was launched earlier in the year, so it's, 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 say it's been a journey so far. It's not over yet, of course. It's, it'll still go into next year. Well, as, the funny the, thing about it is, yeah, I mean, of course, this, the, the, that celebration, that designation, One City, One Book, happens for a year. And then yeah. it, it's more or less the old tax year. It's kind of April to April, <laughs> or the end of March. Um, so the next book will pop up soon. But this mm. one still exists, and I think it will still have a kind of a longevity. I mean, people are still reading Stoker's Dracula or Joyce's Ulysses 100 plus years on. Yes. You know, so the, the, but, but what I'd be interested in is that idea, and it's already happened in a few instances and will again, you know, programmes like this, discussions uh, about the shape of Dublin or about the, about the literature from the city will refer back to this book. And, and um, I, I would hope really, I mean, very sincerely I'd hope that some there are some people listening to this or reading this book somewhere now that will say my area is not in it and I'm a 17 year old singer songwriter from Finglas or I'm a budding poet from Black Rock or wherever the hell I'm from or wherever I happen to find myself living yeah. and say I'm going to have a go why can't I do something in my area I mean that's that's how we all got into this uh, into yeah. this kind of business yeah, we heard a song and we thought I could do that yeah. gives a job I can do absolutely, that absolutely yeah and, and the idea of doing poetry and it is about changing that perception you know that, that absolutely. it's open to everybody yeah, yeah it yeah. is open to everybody it doesn't mean uh, you know it doesn't mean that everybody's that's good for about everybody. it yeah, I know you know, you but that's, yeah. that's, that's the same as everything, as yeah. broadcasting, as, as cooking, as building, as whatever. But, it, but, but it's, really, it's really dangerous to, to suggest that there is a, there is a kind of a, a kind of person that ends up uh, in, in the poetry world. I mean, it's, it's haunted by stereotypes. Mm-hmm. So are most jobs or most callings or most Absolutely. hobbies, because for some people it is just a hobby and they don't take it further than that. And for others, it's a kind of an obsessive... Um, uh, vocation, yeah, but it's the same. Like there, there are people who go to the to, to a party to a session and they take out a banjo or, God forbid, a bower on and they join in and they might do it twice a year. Yeah. And there's others who spend thousands of hours and they're at it all the time. The world is big enough to accommodate everybody, you know. 
Jane Alger is the director of the yearly Dublin One City One Book. We began by asking Jane how that initiative came about. Uh, I would like to cra- claim credit for the idea, but I can't because it started in Seattle in the States in the mid-90s and the, it spread. And so we started it in uh, 2006. So next year is actually going to be the 10th one. And uh, it it differs in different places. People do it in different ways. But we wanted to have something, a populist, something that would appeal to everybody. We wanted to emphasise Dublin's links with uh, literature and um, the great writers of the past and the present. So we decided that we would always choose a book that has has a connection with the city, Mm. either through the author or through the content. And if ever you go, of course, ticks every box. Uh, so it's been going for 10 years. It's growing exponentially from year to year. It's quite extraordinary the way it's grown. So we have an average of 50 events during the festival each year. It lasts for the whole month of April. And we have a huge range of partners as well right across the city, which is great. Yes, it involves everyone. And and I say that the, the aim is to focus people's attention on that particular book for that month. And you've had a variety of titles, mainly novels. And of course, last year was, was particularly successful, Strumpet City. It was. Trumpet, Strumpet City was, uh, I suppose you could call it the perfect storm because you had this iconic novel with wonderful characters. It was a TV series and it was also the link with the lockout anniversary, of course. So that was hugely successful and it lasted throughout the year. And we had um, a wonderful range of uh, partners and also, what was really nice, and it's, um, we want, we got a new audience. People over a certain age remembered the book being published. Then people slightly younger remembered the TV series. And then it sort of fell out of popularity and the book went out of print. So we had a lot of new readers that we wanted to capture. And I think we did. Absolutely. It was hugely successful. Yeah. And it was so visible around the city as well, the, the, the signs on the, the posts and the boxes and all around town. Yeah. But this year, again, was was. Quite a different initiative has, say, mainly all the other years related to novels, but this year the idea of poetry, bringing poetry to the forefront and in what is a very ideal book to do that, isn't it? It is, and the the really nice thing about If Ever You Go is that it relates very much to places in the city. And we were approached by the publisher, Pat Bourne, from Daedalus Press, and Joe Woods, who was the then director of Poetry Ireland, and Jerry Smith, who was the then chair of Poetry Ireland, and they suggested that we would do this and we liked the idea and we particularly liked the idea that it's so rooted in place in the city and you know poetry can be slightly some people feel that poetry is not for them so what really appealed to us was the challenge of getting people to think again about how poetry can relate to their lives and it really does I mean when you read some of the poems in it I mean there's one the the way poetry focuses on the minutiae of people's lives there's one that really I find amusing this poor man was obviously had to go to the Iron Ear Hospital and it was Christmas Eve now it's the last place he wanted to be on Christmas Eve he was probably sitting there waiting for ages and he's wrote a poem about it. Mm. So the little minutiae of people's lives. And there's another poem in it, which has an extraordinary title. It's, it's something along the lines of, you never found, um, it was something about, you never found a gate in a, you, you never found a bedstead uh-huh. in a Protestant fence. <laughs> <laughs> How do you think up something it's like, like that? that? Yeah. Only a poet could. Of course. And it's those little things. And um, we had, an, again, an amazing range of partners. And that really made it very successful. And it was, I suppose, one of the best-selling poetry books ever yeah, in the country. Yeah. And it remained in the top 10 best-selling list for weeks. Yeah, great. And it is the most borrowed book in Dublin libraries by a mile wow. this year. Brilliant. And, and it is that accessibility factor. There's a sense of, it, it, it is a mixture indeed of poetry and song and the, the north side, the liffy side, the, the south side, the whole lot. And 
also deceased and living and some very young poets as well. So it's it's bringing everyone into the equation, isn't it? Well, that's what the publishers wanted and, and we really liked that. The greats of the past, the present and the young poets as well. Yeah. And we wanted to have a mix of songs and because when you look at song lyrics, a lot of them are poems. Yeah. Phil Linnet is in it. People keep asking us why isn't the old triangle in it? We wanted it. We couldn't get the rights. It was very difficult to track down who actually had the rights because there were different versions of it. Of and, you know, one person, Brendan Bean, had, you know, one version and then Dominic had another version and it was very difficult to track that down. In the end, publication dates just of course, loomed. dictated. And, of course, being a poetry book as well and, and the fact that song is included and ballads and such like, I imagine that lent itself very well to the events around the book. It did. We had some lovely events um, in, in, in pubs, in libraries, uh, on a train. Irish Rail gave us a train one Sunday morning and went from Connolly out to Bray and back again. And so we had poets on board who were reading poems related to the places the train was going through. And also Irish Rail gave us poster sites at a lot of stations. So there were poems that had written, been written about the particular places. Pat Bourne wrote a poem about Sutton Cross. Yes. So his poem was at um, Sutton Station. There was a poet called Eileen Casey who actually used to work for Irish Rail and she wrote a poem about Houston Station. Right. So that was on a poster in yeah. Houston Station. Yeah, it reminds you very much what you might have seen years ago yeah. on the London Underground. People would have the whole idea of poetry on yeah. the London Underground. We're having our own version of that with, with this book. Um, just a, a, another um, particular area which um, we discuss around the whole area of this thriving area of literature that's happening in Dublin at the moment is the whole UNESCO City of Literature, which Dublin was awarded in 2010. If you want to tell us a little bit about that. Well, as you said, Dublin was designated a UNESCO City of Literature in 2010. And then um, a dedicated office was set up um, a couple of months later and I was made director of that. So the idea is we work locally, nationally and internationally. And because it's an international designation, um, we work with sister cities of literature. And we work with all sorts of people around the world to promote Dublin and Irish writers and writing and not just the past. We didn't get the designation just because we have the Nobel Prize winners and that, although UNESCO appreciated our heritage. It's more to do with what's going on in the city at the moment. So one of the areas we like to focus on is emerging writers, because if you use sorry, the analogy of a football club, we have great past. We have a great first team at the moment, but you have to look to the youths mm. and the reserves. So you have to have uh, you know, emerging writers coming through all the time, not necessarily young writers, but emerging writers, people who are just beginning their career or who are just sitting thinking, I wouldn't mind writing. And it's writing in all its forms. It's not high literature. It's not just high culture. It's poetry. It's writing in any language. It's not an English or an Irish language designation. It's for anybody who's writing in any language in the city. Mm. And it's... Um, it's it's a wonderful honour for the city. Yeah, I presume there's a series of events and initiatives going on around that. Yes, we do. We we have uh, we do we we actually reorganise events, but it's not we're not just a sort of an events mm. organisation. We're part of Dublin City Libraries, which is part of Dublin City Council, and the City Council are hugely supportive, and uh, as are all the library staff as well. But we work very closely with partners. We work with um, Poetry Ireland, the Irish Writers Centre, the universities. Anybody who comes to us with an idea, we also work very closely with the tourism people because selling um, Dublin writers abroad and encouraging people to come to Dublin is um, it's a very strong hook for cultural tourism. So people come to Dublin or they read Joyce or Wilde, Beckett, anybody like that. And because Dublin is so much part of their work, people feel 
that's a city I'd like to go to. Mm. So they come here and they, they like to walk around. They, they go in the literary pub crawl. They go into some of the pubs that have been written about. And they go to the, the um, they, they go, you know, they go to the Joy Centre, Trinity, the National Library, places like that. And they just walk the streets mm. and they meet people. They you know, yeah, and they like, they immerse themselves in it. Yeah. They like to uh, sort of sit somewhere and feel, yeah, you know, a particular writer sat here. Mm. While there are many poets contained in our featured book, we asked some members of the local public if they could name any Irish poets. Can you name any Irish poets? Seamus Heaney. Seamus Heaney? Shame Healy, is that really fun? Shame so, Healy, yeah. I think he's one. Oh, well, there's the famous one, what's his name? There's W.B. Yeats, there's uh, Brendan Kennelly. Oh, it's William Butler Yeats, who say will be the most famous of Irish poets. He was basically early 20th century poet, yeah. Irish poet. Um, oh, you know the way they go out of your head, just when you think, no, I can't. I don't know, is Oscar Wilde an Irish poet? I don't really know, because I'm not from here. Yeats, John B. Keen, I think. I should be able to name more, I can't, sorry, no. Um, what did I say? Yeats, of course. Uh, Seamus Heaney, of course, and there's Calvin. Ivana Boland, is it her? I'm not sure of her first name. Uh, Louis McNeese, Seamus Heaney. Paul Muldoon. <laughs> Maureen Kennelly is the Director of Poetry Ireland. We began by asking Maureen about their work. We're Ireland's national organisation. Uh, we're a 32 county organisation, in fact, so we're all Ireland. And we're dedicated to the promotion and development of poetry. Um, that takes a number of different forms. We think of five verbs when we think about our work. So uh, read, we want people to read poetry, of course. Write. We want more people. We want people to write poetry and to find an audience. Learn. We have a very significant education program. We work through both primary and post-primary schools and in third level a little bit and even in preschooling. Um, listen. We want to develop audiences for poetry. That's a very key part of what we do. And perform. We want poets to be able to perform their work well in front of growing audiences. So that's how we see our work. Um, so it is very much in that kind of putting on readings, um, making publications. We publish the Poetry Ireland Review, which comes out three times a year. And um, then the, the extensive school work we do and the work that we do to support poets so that, you know, if somebody at the age of 18 wants to write poetry that we can support them in some way through an emerging writers programme but we're increasingly trying to think how can we support them through different straight stages of their careers. We asked Maureen about the current status of poetry in Ireland. I think the state of the of poetry is really good. I mean, there is no doubt that for a country our size of whatever, five million people, that we absolutely punch above our weight and like that would be widely held throughout the world indeed. So I suppose we, we, we only need to think of obviously the, the well-known names, some no longer with us, unfortunately, but that the stature of Irish poetry is held in extremely high stead, which is terrific. So, you know, there is no shortage of good poetry like we have no worries in Port Ireland about the state of the art form. It's in really, really good hands. So, I mean, one can readily kind of 
conjure up dozens of names and like there's a next generation come through I suppose you know we're, we're all very familiar with the Heaney's and the Montagues and the Longleys of this world but when you look at you know at the 40 something or the 30 something generation and now indeed the 20 something there are some extremely exciting names coming through like Tara Berg and um, Leontia Flynn in the north um, John McAuliffe who's a really really good poet from Kerry Um so there are there are really exciting names coming through in the, in the next rank. Um, so I think that the bar of excellence is still there and I wouldn't have a worry about that at all in the future. We asked Maureen about her feelings on the book If Ever You Go, Map of Dublin in Poetry and Song. It's a book that already has gained quite a foothold with the public, which is terrific. It's a more digestible and accessible way of of people reaching poetry, really, because like people, lots of people, unfortunately, still have that fear of like, oh, a collection of poetry by one poet. Oh, well, what if I only like one and maybe not the others? So with an anthology, obviously, you have that that ease of of um reaching any number of people because surely in this which has like just dozens of poems poets rather um, they're, they're, they're bound to like at least a good proportion of same but also because it's very much an attachment to place because it's effectively mapping Dublin through poetry which is just a great idea I mean it's such a good idea you just wonder why it was never done before in fact so fair play to Pat and Jerry for bringing it off and for having the idea it's brilliant Um because Irish people in particular have such a strong attachment to place that it's and it it just instills that fierce sense of pride in people to go oh look they've written a poem about Parkgate Street let me read this to you it's, or about Charleville Mall or about Eccles Street you know it's just that deep attachment it's it's taking harness of that and that's that's really exciting so I think that's going to have a huge spin off and it's a sort of poem poetry book that people will buy for other people for their neighbours and friends and family so it has huge potential and when we found out about it we were extremely excited and of course immediately wanted to be involved We asked Maureen how much she feels the poetry in the book captures the real Dublin I suppose that's what the poems are infused with um, that it, you just, it's unmistakable it's like what people said about Ulysses Joyce's Ulysses that you know just couldn't imagine Dublin without it. It's similar with this book that it's so very real, you know, like Paul Durkin's poem about the in memory of those massacred in, in the Dublin massacre, about the, the, the bombings, the Dublin bombings, you know, um, or Nesso Mahoney's poem about MacNeil's and Capel Street about getting a, a traditional instrument made there. That it's just that very visceral sense of being on the street. Um, so, of course, for poets, like their work is infused with place, you know, they, they can't write out of, you know, it's such a significant starting point and inspiration for, for all poets, really, mm. um, that it just makes total sense then the way that Pat and Jerry have decided to, to carve up the book so that, you know, if you do mm. want to just yeah, find out about the north side, that it's terrific that you can just go there and use the index really cleverly and so on. It's just a terrific it feels like a great public service to just be exposed to all these new poems and to have them all in one concentrated yeah. place. We visited St David's National Boys School in Artane to find out their feelings on poetry. What does poetry mean to you and how does poetry make you feel? It makes me feel good. It's, I feel like it's about feelings, uh, how, to, how people write their feelings down and what they think about when, they, they, when they're writing poems. It makes them, it makes them feel what they feel inside. 
I do go on my computer sometimes and listen to a bit of it, like when I'm bored, because like sometimes it can make like me happy and sometimes it can uh, make me sad though, depending on what type of uh, poem it is. Poetry to me is something that you'd have to think a lot about because some poems are tell you something in there and some poems like are really weird. Sometimes it makes me feel relaxed, happy, uh, sometimes it makes you think, sometimes emotional. I read um, poetry, yes, yeah, sometimes, but um, what it makes me feel, it's, um, I can't describe it actually, it's, I just, oh, I can't describe it. Some poetry gives you images in your head that you can imagine, and then some make you feel it, and some express so many feelings. What is poetry to you, Sean? It's like a bit of fun, time with your classmates and stuff. Do you ever read poetry? Uh, yeah, my teacher reads it to me sometimes. How does poetry make you feel? Some of them make me feel happy and... Can it be hard to understand what the poetry is about? Yeah, sometimes, because I make up words that like, don't make sense sometimes. Thank you for joining us on If Ever You Go, a Northside Dublin Perspective our exploration of the north side of Dublin through poetry and song. And many thanks to all the guests who featured in this programme. For further information on this series, check out nearfm.ie forward slash if ever you go series. If ever you go to Dublin town in a hundred years or so, inquire for me in Baggett Street. And what I was like to know He was a queer one Full of little Ido He was a queer one And I'll tell you This programme was made with the support of the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland.